I've missed you. It's been a while. It it's been only a few days since we've actually seen each other in person, though. It feels longer. It's hard to explain, but that's true. So we celebrated Anya's birthday on what was it? Friday. Yeah, it was uh, it was Friday, uh, Cinco de Mayo, and I feel like I'm still in recovery <laughs> from that night. But I'm here. I've made it. I made it through. So thank you for celebrating me that day. I'm upset because Ruthie didn't get me anything for my birthday, though. And we're, we're having a little bit of a falling out after everything that I've done for her. You know, she told me that she did want to get you a Gatorade and some Advil on Saturday morning. But, you know, you, you turned her down. So <laughs> she just but, left you know, to lie in her misery. I don't know. Uh, how much that would have actually helped me on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anya was like, uh, oh my goodness. I think when I left your dinner, I don't know how many martinis, gin martinis you would have had, but you were clearly like already on the celebration train for King Charles's coronation. I was, I was. And I, um, I will say the one thing that did get me out of bed on Saturday was Ruthie. Because when you have a dog, no matter how shitty you feel, if you don't have a backyard and you live in New York City, you have to take them out. Right. It's <laughs> so true. I had to go brave the world and the outside uh, elements that day to take Ruthie out. <laughs> I'm imagining you in your matching set tracksuit, some giant sunglasses on. <laughs> <You're so messed. laughs> That's about right. Amazing. Um, I mean, did you watch the coronation? Speaking of King Charles? No, I mostly followed it on Twitter. Uh, unlike oh, you, unlike you, you love the Royals. You, I, I bet you watch the crown. You love the history of the monarchy. My feelings on it are why do Americans care so much about the Royals that we uh, fought <laughs> to free ourselves from? <laughs> so I... <laughs> because Anya, that's at the heart of any dysfunctional relationship. You break up with the person and then you want them back. Oh, don't I know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I so I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with the Royals, but I... You know, I was very, um, I liked the queen. It's hard to explain. Like, you know, Queen Elizabeth to me was just so impressive as, you know, a lady boss. And that's like a separate, separate episode. But um, I didn't watch it either. I followed it on Instagram. And honestly, I had sort of a weird reaction to it. And I think in my head, when Queen Elizabeth died and they had her big, like huge over the top funeral, I wasn't as weirded out by that to me because it felt like like an ending for something in England. Like it wasn't just the end of somebody's life that we were acknowledging, but it really felt like the end of an era. And I found it almost startling to see these photos of Charles and Camilla with crowns on their heads and these big robes. And again, in my brain, I was just thinking like, this is, this feels like it's over. <laughs> it's, is that... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's a bad thing if it's over, though. I. <laughs> hey. But, you know, yeah. But look, look, I they provide endless uh, 
endless sources of entertainment. So I give them that. And I did think it would be fun to do this episode on the British royal family and their animals. What do you think? I, I'm all about talking about animals that are royalty. Like Ruthie? She is. <laughs> yes, she is my queen. There's no question about that. If there has ever ever a time I've been ruled by anyone, it's my dog. Uh, because I take her out when she wants to go out. I pick up her poo. I feed her. I am her loyal servant. <laughs> and she knows it. That's she, the best part. She knows it. She. I mean, honestly, though, if you think about it, dogs are very much like a monarchy, right? Because they don't pay taxes. They live off of other people. <laughs> they have people serving them constantly. <laughs> There's no better metaphor as far as what dogs, cats, whatever type of animal you have that you're caring for. Uh, there's no better metaphor for it. I, I really believe that. So That's let's talk true. about these. Let's talk about these royal, royal animals. These royal animals. Well, first off, a little context. I always love my fun facts. Let's go back in time into history. Um, who is the British royal family? And no, it is not King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. So. The British royal family, a.k.a. the British monarchy, has been around since the 9th century, more or less. And then in 1066, the Normans, who are French, invaded England, and the monarchy took on a much larger role. So we had, like, William the Conqueror consolidating power, and all these different, you know, territories were coming together across what is now modern-day England, Scotland, and parts of Ireland. So... Since the I'm British monarchy came in on horses across the ocean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my geography is really bad. <laughs> Anya, you might have missed the whole uh, White Cliffs of Dover thing. That's uh, <laughs> there, there happens to be a body of water separating France from the United Kingdom. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that, there's that. <laughs> I love this. All the more reason for us to take a trip there and you can see it firsthand yourself. Um, yeah, so we do have an ocean between England and everybody else except for Scotland. Um, and so the Normans did not necessarily invade on horses, but I believe there were horses on their boats. So you're not, maybe, maybe you're not totally off. But um, yeah, so the, the British royal family, they've given us a really an interesting cast of characters. You know, we've got the fictional ones like King Arthur, and then we've got real life lady bosses. We've got Queen Elizabeth I. We've got Mary Queen of Scots, who nobody wants to talk about. We've got Queen Victoria, and then the recently departed Queen Elizabeth II and her son Charles. Is it bad that I thought King Arthur was real? <laughs> Not bad at all. In fact, I wish he was real. When I was a kid, I thought like being a knight at the round table would have been the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so where do where do animals come into play with with the with the monarchy, with the British royalty? Where where do they make their entrance as far as being a very prominent 
uh, character in the royals' lives? Yeah, great question. Well, I think it's fun to start with the royal coat of arms, just sort of like their, I don't know if shield is the right term, but it's like their, think of it as their logo, you know, if you will, that represents the, um, the quote unquote United Kingdom. So on the royal coat of arms, we have three animals. We've got a lion, we've got a unicorn, and we've got a dragon. Do you okay, know what they so- represent? Hold on. So only one of those animals is real, first of all. They're all Uh, real. So so just like the monarchy, there are a bunch (laughs) of fake rulers who just got really lucky. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. I never thought of it that way. But again, like, let's let's just let's lean into the legitimacy part right now and unravel it later. Let, let, what do they what do they mean what do they mean what do these animals represent so the lion represents england okay the unicorn represents scotland and the dragon represents wales it's kind of cool that is cool do we know why they got uh designated those particular animals you know, Anya, if I was as good a journalist as you, I probably would have spent more time uh, looking this up, <laughs> but I did not do that. Um, so let's come back to that Welsh dragon at some point, or unless you'd like to Google it for us, that might actually be helpful. But uh, okay, I mean, we have some animals there, right? It is interesting because how many other, if you think about it, like parts of the world have animals on their because England, it goes beyond just the royal coat of arms. There's the royal banner, which has the three lions. We see those three lions on the English national soccer teams, for example. You know, the men and women, uh, the female team, they're called the lady lady lions or the lady lionesses. I forget which one is, is more common in the British media. But um, it's cool. Like, they've got this creature that has long been associated with England and with the royal family. That's a very tough, tough, regal royal creature yeah when i think of king charles i think of someone that's very tough (laughs) it's like a tabby cat than a uh, a roaring lion (laughs) i think of someone ready to go to battle yeah totally but yeah it's it's interesting like since um you know since the royal family developed as much power and controls they did obviously you know they get their their coat of um their coat of arms they get their royal banner you know those symbols infuse themselves into other aspects of you know, the english government the royal family themselves maintained a really close relationship actually mostly with their pets so dogs have always played a huge role in the royal family the royals over the years having different types of dogs um the family has always maintained a strong connection to the land. Not surprising. They took over a lot of it. And like any uh, landed gentry, they spent a lot of time on horses and some animals they perhaps were less nice to, like uh, deer <laughs> and their stag hunts. But animals have always been a pretty big part of the royals. And I think what was interesting for me to pay attention to now with the um, the whole lens of furfluencers was just King Charles and his relationship with animals. You know, in so many ways, 
Charles is a departure from his mother. You know, she's the lion. He's definitely not. And something that stood out to me is his relationship with animals. You know, Queen Elizabeth was so deeply associated with her animals, but with Charles, I never really saw like a true connection between him and the animals that he's been around. And maybe I'm just like, who knows? Maybe I'm projecting or something, or I'm like, you know, maybe I'm not the biggest fan of his, so I'm reading into it the way that I want to. But even though he rides polo ponies, even though he has to, you know, rescue Jack Russell Terriers, my detective skills, aka judging press photos of him, tell me that it's his wife Camilla who's maybe more of the animal person. And that while I mean, he rides I, polo ponies, he I don't know, he doesn't vibe with them. I just can't imagine just Charles being a, an affectionate cuddly person who lets a dog crawl on his lap while sitting on his throne you know i just <laughs> you want to know something interesting though i just okay little little side fact so uh there were 150 cavalier king charles spaniels that gathered for a parade down king's road in london to honor the new king and the name of the long-haired doe-eyed breed hails from Charles II. Really? I did not know that. Yes, this is according to Yahoo Life. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Anya. I mean that's yeah, that's a great example. I didn't see the um the King Charles's. I I mean I did read a really fun article about an animal that historically has always been present at the coronation but was notably absent this year. Do you know what a lamprey is? I don't. Do you want to Google it? I want to see a your reaction. Lamprey? Yeah, Google it. It's L-A-M-P-R-E-Y-S. Who knows? Maybe I'm pronouncing this. Oh, okay, well, tell us you what you're looking at. <laughs> okay, this... <laughs> okay, I don't even know how to describe what this animal looks like. It kind of reminds me of an eel a little bit. Um, but when it opens its mouth it's like a circle it looks like a circle and it has little fangs um and it looks mainly like a thing of nightmares um <laughs> i i've never oh it is like an eel like fish okay so i wasn't too far off this is terrifying i'm surprised they need to make a new version of snakes on a plane with lampreys <laughs> with lampreys <laughs> Lampreys on British Airways. <laughs> they are horrifying looking. And believe it or not, these eels, these eel things, for the last 800 years until Charles's coronation, they had always had a presence in that they were used to fill the official baked pies for new monarchs. And they were always served at royal banquets. Okay, first of all, the British have never been known for having good food. No one goes to England for cuisine, so this tracks. Anya's <laughs> never getting a visa to the United Kingdom ever. You want to play golf in Scotland? That's been revoked, Anya. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and... if you can believe that. So they, for 800 years, they were baked into pies. And then Charles 
uh, decided to forego them. He decided we're not having lamprey pie because they're becoming endangered in England. And, you know, he does, look, I, I will give him this, like he does have a strong commitment to conservation. Like he is known for his, his conservation work, his environmental activism. So, you know, saving the lampreys, definitely, definitely a part of that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that a little bit though, because if I was king or queen, all right, either. And if I had the ability to make big decisions, I would not have lamprey pie at my coronation. And I would definitely put some PR spin on it. Like, oh, it's for conservation. They're endangered. But he's probably like, I've been having to eat these shitty ass pies <laughs> since the day I was born. Now I'm in charge <laughs> and I say no to this pie. Do we know what kind of pie they replaced it with? I think it was a quiche or something. I'm pretty sure it had vegetables a in it. Or pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a vegetable in there, which, you know, feels, <laughs> feels fitting for him. But yeah, so we had King Charles at the coronation apparently, but we did not have lampreys. You shared something with me interesting that um, that King Henry the first. I never know how to say this. Is it King Henry the first? King Henry one? You know, like, it's like King Henry the first. He died eating too many lampreys. Oh yeah. So Anya's uh, <laughs> reading some of the the notes that I just shared with her. Um, yeah, this guy King Henry in 1135 died after eating too many of them. So how many is was also, many? Uh, <laughs> what is the what is the the number where they're like this is a toxicology report? <laughs> Too many lampreys in your system. That's one it's way like to go a, out. A lamprey pie a day keeps uh, <laughs> healthy aging away. God, that was horrible. The lamprey pie a day keeps the peasants away. <laughs> I don't know, Anya. I think you're sort of growing into this whole monarchy thing. Now, that worked really well for you. <laughs> so wait, I will say the one, okay, I don't have lots of opinions on the royal family and the, the stuff with uh, Harry and Meghan, but Camilla actually had dogs embroidered on her dress. And wait, really? And, yeah, and... As we know, we'll, I know we're going to get into this a little bit later uh, on Queen Elizabeth and her pre her preferred dog, but Camilla is a big Jack Russell Terrier fan. Um, and I it makes me a little bit more uh, warm to her for that reason, simply because Ruthie is part Jack. So Aww. I feel like, she, you know, Ruthie might fit in a little bit uh there if she were ever invited <laughs> to the castle to, to buckingham palace buckingham. um that's really that's cool i did not know that she had that embroidered on her dress and see that reinforces my theory that she's the dog person and he's just trying to make her happy <laughs> well she was kind of like listen she was the mistress right camilla was the mistress so she was uh, you know, she, uh, you gotta, if you, if you marry your mistress and you make her queen, you let her do whatever she wants. I mean, at that point you've lost. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
at that point he should just be like yeah you want a unicorn let me go up to scotland and get you one <laughs> but as i mentioned earlier i mean the dogs are a great segue for this you know his mom you know queen elizabeth ii like one of her defining qualities was her love for animals and she had a reputation for really not being a people person you know in a, a number of different ways but her her true self came out around animals and that she was said to be like her most comfortable and her happiest when she was with animals farm animals and especially her dogs so she's you know she's known for her her relationship with corgis so the corgi was like her favorite type of dog her very first one was named susan and then you know ever since then she's had a whole i think she had like 30 corgis over the course of 80 years it's a lot of wiggle butts it's a lot of wiggle butts and apparently not everybody liked the wiggle butts around buckingham palace because some of those wiggle butts were ankle biters and uh i guess you'd have what foreign dignitaries showing up and you know other important people and the dogs were given free reign of the place so like everybody else has to stand there you know perfectly and appropriately but the dogs are running around and biting people and she had no issue with this that's really interesting that i didn't i didn't know that she wasn't a people person first of all um that is news to me and that she preferred the company of animals so i have a lot in common with a former queen which i did not realize um and it's interesting to me though with how how you know demure and I would say sophisticated Queen Elizabeth was and quiet that she, the corgis are known for really spunky, vibrant personalities that that was a dog that she was drawn to. So I'm wondering if there was something about that breed of dog that she liked because it was kind of opposite of her, you know, oh, like kind of like yeah. the opposites of rats. I like that. I mean, if you think about a number of the guests who we've had on Furfluencers, especially the people with dogs and the personalities that they've created for those dogs, they seem to be so different from their owners. Mm -hmm. you know, the really extroverted dog personality that's, you know, owned by a very quiet person, but they, they just find something in that liveliness that, I don't know, that like connects with them. I like that mm -hmm. idea. Um, that's really cool. I mean, yeah, she was super stoic and, you know, almost severe, I think, to a point. But there's a, oh my gosh, I have to find this and send it to you. There's this famous gif of the queen and she's at an event and you don't really know what it is, but you just see her look at like really dour, kind of like sitting there staring. And all of a sudden her face lights up and she starts wildly gesticulating. And it turns out she was at some sort of like farm animal fair and like cow came out. <laughs> She was like, check out that one. <laughs> it's we'll a really fun. I'll just see you later. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants those. I've stuffed in those. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she. That, I feel like most of what I know about Queen Elizabeth, just broadly speaking, though, is her love of animals. Like I said, I, I've never really studied the monarchy, the British monarchy in any way. Um, but any news piece that I would read about Queen Elizabeth specifically had to pretty much relate to her love of animals and her connection with animals. Is there, 
is, do we know though, like if it started at an early age, did she have animals growing up? Is this some, yes, or is this something yeah. that later came to be? She apparently was given her first horse when she was four years old. And it was a, I think it was a Shetland pony named, um, named Peggy. And so that was her, her first horse and horses were a huge part of her life. She bred horses, she raced horses, she rode them practically until the year that she died. And uh, I think at her funeral, if I remember it correctly, her horse was standing alongside the road as her, her coffin went by for the procession. So her corgis actually watched her leave. And then her, um, I think it was like her favorite horse or her last horse, you know, was there as well. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, I, do you, what do you think uh, Smudge would do at your funeral? <laughs> oh, God. He'd probably, <laughs> he'd probably be looking around to see if they, uh, if we had good snacks set out. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that would be his number one priority. Well, we know Smudge loves Josh more. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We we come back from a walk, and all I have to say is like, "Where's Daddy?" And it all of a sudden's like, "Wow!" The elevator, and the minute I open the apartment door, it's like, "Whoa!" She takes off and destroys the apartment looking for Josh. She's usually on an important phone call at that point. It's <laughs> taken out by the dog. So after she passed, though, who's taking care of all of these animals? her corgis the horses who who now yeah. gets to uh i so, guess i mean that had to have been in her will for sure i don't know where the horse went i do know that the corgis i believe have been rehomed with her son andrew who is not the greatest uh, oh, the, the, the the sex offender yeah exactly that one um I, okay, I definitely I, paused I, when start, I read that. Start a petition. <laughs> to rescue them. Rescue those corgis. Apparently nobody else wanted them. So, <laughs> so they ended up with him. I know. But that's I, I love that you asked that question because this is something I really wanted to talk about, which is that her animals, I mean, they go beyond her personal like pets and her personal animals. There's a rule that goes back to the 1300s in England, and it basically says that the monarchy, you know, her majesty, his majesty, they technically own all of the sturgeons, whales, and dolphins in the waters around the UK. So during her lifetime, yeah, they own the waters. So her majesty technically owned all of those things. And it gets even stranger. So the queen also technically owned all of the swans in England. So for more than 700 years, the monarchy has been given ownership of all of the swans. So swans cannot be like attacked. Um, they can't be harassed, killed. Like they're considered protected by the royal family. And I, I heard, not heard, I read that all the like the swan related royal duties were actually handled by a staff member who was called the keeper of the swans and every year the queen and the keeper of the swans participated in a swan count so every swan in the rivers and estuaries and all of that was like counted and documented and then that 
information was, I guess, contributed to conservation and, you know, education programming. Why did they choose swans? I guess they're just pretty. They're beautiful. So that is true. I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, they obviously didn't want to take ownership of crows. <laughs> right. Or snakes, though somehow did not make the cut. But yeah, isn't that strange? I actually, I remember the first time I heard that, I was in London uh, having drinks with a friend. We were in some really cute bar along a canal, and there were swans. I was like, oh, aren't they beautiful? And my friend told me, she was, yeah, actually, the queen owns those. So that, like, all Do we know what swans happens? are real swans. Do we, what happens if you attack a swan in England? Let's find out. What so happened? there's this um, there's this thing, Anya. It's called the Tower of London. Most of the people who have been placed in it were never seen again. So I'm sure that's where they go. Whoa. Okay, what is punishment for killing a swan in England? Um, <clears throat> let's see. What happens... Oh, well, this is funny. There's an article on Vox that swans are terrorizing a British village. <laughs> yes, I love it. And a 12th century law means the villagers can't fight back. So swans technically are more protected than people in a certain respect. <laughs> in this case, there's no stand your ground law against, uh, <laughs> against swans. Yeah, swans have free reign. I mean, you know, she she took that very seriously. And if we are to believe, speaking of winged animals, if we are to believe the Sunday Express, one of those like tabloids, tabloids, yeah, just you know, <laughs> they probably had a field day uh, with the the Meghan and Harry stuff, for example. If we can trust the Sunday Express. It published an article that says that the Queen's summer home, Balmoral in Scotland, was inhabited by a bat colony that lived in the main hall of this castle house. And allegedly, the Queen refused to let the staff get rid of the bats, even though they generated a lot of, um, I'll say, extra cleaning work. If you've ever had bats living in your house, you know that bat poo is just everywhere. And... Um, yeah, the queen did not allow anybody to remove the bats from her her house. And apparently on the occasion when a bat would somehow like get loose in the house, she had a special net and she would help catch them and like bring them outside to release them just to make sure they were safe. It's nice that she let, you know, bats be free, but the people that the monarchy enslaved <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> priorities Anya priorities Jesus yeah you know, it's interesting to me you know there there in my opinion I I do know enough about I I joke about not knowing that much about uh the royal family but the, the history of the royal family in the sense of there's a lot of atrocities right and and Queen Elizabeth has her own myriad history of of racism in particular being a part of her legacy, um, colonization, that kind of stuff. And 
it, but she, she cared for animals so much. And I think we've had this discussion before, right? Like if you love dogs, if you love animals and I like you, you know, you're a good person, but I don't think that that is necessarily true in the case of it, in this particular case, it doesn't necessarily make you a good person because you care and love for an animal. There are plenty of annoying people, bad people that I know who have an animal in their life that they care for. But I do think the reverse is true, that if you are abusive towards animals in any way, that you're a shitty person to other people too. Like it carries over in terms of how you treat animals to how you end up treating people. Completely agree. In fact, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I got really annoyed a few weeks ago. I was waiting for the ferry to go home from work. I was like really tired. And um, these kids kept trying to like kick pigeons while we were in line waiting for the ferry. And they kept crashing into people who were also waiting in line. And uh, I I did, I might have said that uh, kids who abuse animals as children grow up to be serial killers. I mean, there are, studies that, that there are studies that point to them being sociopaths. It's not too far off. Right? So I don't know how that was uh, received by their parents. I don't think well, but, you know, I was also, I was done for the day at that point. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, just because people like animals doesn't mean they're good people in other parts of their lives. There are plenty of Australian shepherds in the Aussie Facebook groups who are named Donnie or Donald. And I don't think I need to explain where those names came from. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, did they name their Australian shepherds after the election when he first got elected or was this uh, before the steal? <laughs> it was after, after the steal. Oh my God. I know. So, so King Charles, I mean, he's got a farm. He's got a zoo on his hands now. It sounds like he's totally. got he's 700 swans or thousands or whatever they are. Not including all the 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 drunk Englishmen in the pubs and in England, and that's a whole other zoo that he's got to deal with. Yeah, something tells me he's not hanging out there either. But yeah, no, he's got he's got a ton of animals. I mean, his kids all have dogs as well. Um, you know, Kate and William have, I think, at least one. I know that Kate's brother. Um, you know, he's got such a passion for dogs that he breeds them, and he's been a big advocate for therapy dogs. And he's spoken openly about his depression and how, you know, being a dog owner has helped him navigate that, which is pretty cool. There's a cute little story that Prince Edward and Sophie, the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, uh, the, the Edinburgh? children. Oh, Edin Edinburgh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the day, the day after, um, or the, the Monday following the coronation, they went to a puppy class for guide dogs for volunteering day. Oh, that's so fun. I yeah. Didn't see that either. So, You're so good with your research. It's amazing what you can do with two minutes on Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we have Meghan Markle, who she had a rescue before marrying uh, the former, <laughs> former Prince Harry. Uh, and the then spare. They, the spare. And then they, uh, um, then they adopted a dog from the Beagle Freedom Project, whose name was Mama Mia. So they have a, a rescue beagle from from there. So unfortunately, that dog does not get all the perks of, uh, I guess, being in a 
royal family since they've uh, cut themselves off from them. <laughs> I were that dog, I'd be so mad just thinking about, you know, what could have been. Yeah, yeah right, right. Um, though this is this is interesting, and I it makes me think that I really want to do an an episode though on the um on the dragon and the unicorn and and the lion and what that what that really represents in the history of why those were chosen. Um, but there, I think in some ways too, I I do wonder this at times if animals are sometimes used to boost a person's image, right? Like not, oh, not to totally discount cool. the fact that I think Queen Elizabeth really did love her dogs and animals, just generally speaking, but there is a PR, a good PR that comes from that at times with people when they are really good and kind to animals. I mean, I can't tell you how many press releases I've seen of celebrities who are doing some sort of volunteer work or donating something to an animal rescue and not to say that it's not, it's always done for publicity, but it definitely, I think changes a perception that people have at times. It softens public point of view of these public figures because most people I would generally say do like animals and wouldn't hurt an animal. So if you're being kind and sweet, an animal kind of makes you look more favorably upon someone Anya this is such a good idea like we we should do this have an episode and we can call it like dog washing or animal washing whatever it is like people who are really using I, I would say pets in particular pets or conservation as a way of generating goodwill from the public that's a great one maybe that's why all the presidents except for Trump have had dogs that's that's good He's a dog. He he Trump is a dog. He just got not to make this too political, but he did just get found liable for sexual assault. So there's a win. We got King Charles and now we have someone falling from grace who didn't have a dog. You know, if only he had a dog, he could have he could have saved himself from this nightmare that he caused for himself. <laughs> on that note we're going to wrap um <laughs> hope hope you enjoyed this episode please go bake yourself some lamprey pies next time you're in england don't harass the swans we'll never see you again and yeah Anya, anything i'm missing well if i don't get hung by a guillotine when i go to uh to england and i you know play some pranks on swans uh, follow us on Instagram at the Furfluencers. Sign up for our newsletter at thefurfluencers.com and like and subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes and leave us a leave us a nice review, one that would uh, make our parents proud. Thanks for joining. Aww.